Thank you for listening to this Sunday message from Faith Chapel. We apologize that due to technical difficulties, approximately the first five minutes of this message is missing. However, we hope that you enjoy the rest of this message from Pastor Jim Tuttle, entitled, One Nation Under God. You may be choosing to vote strictly based upon personality. You like one person over another. Maybe, maybe it's a moral issue for you. Or maybe the issues themselves are the reason why you've chosen to vote the way you're going to vote. And let me just tell you something. Um, you know, I've talked to people. And I've heard from people, and there's some people, you know, who, who like, uh, are choosing, you know, the one big issue for them is abortion. You know, they're pro-lifers, and the big issue, they, they don't care about parties, they don't care about candidates. Abortion is the issue, partial birth abortion, and, and the laws uh, related to abortion. They say, I'm voting because of that one issue. And I'll tell you, Faith Chapel is a pro-life church. We are. You know, we stand for life. There's other people that say, you know what, uh, I, I'm, I'm not voting Republican, I'm voting uh, Democrat because, you know, uh, the, the wealthy are too wealthy and we don't, care, we don't do a good job as a government of taking care of the poor. Uh, we, don't, we don't do a good job as a government of taking care of the needs, the health needs within our nation. And, and that is their issue, you know. And, and so what I, what I see happening, though, is this great division. And it's not a national issue, this division. Uh, I, I see it in the church, you know? Um, I heard a story, true story, of a, of a person who used to attend our church years ago. And she had, um, she had a Obama sticker on her car. And she was approached by someone in our parking lot about that Obama sticker. And she never stepped foot in this church again. And I think that's a shame, I, as her pastor, never had a chance to reconcile that issue. And if there's one thing that we need to stand for, we we need to stand for Jesus first. We are a family. Let me tell you something. In, In your family, are the people around you, do they agree with everything that you stand for? In your in your in your maternal family? No. There's gonna be people in the church family that believe differently and think differently. And you know what? We, we need to be, we need to be uh, sympathetic and compassionate towards certain things related to the differences that we have because we are called to a greater mission than being political. You know? And I think sometimes politics gets in the way of our real mission. And so I want to talk to you about that uh, today. And as I was sort of, you know, contemplating this message, I, I prayed more for this message than I have a lot of messages recently. I, I just, I, you know, I, I know that I'm standing in front of people that believe differently, and in no way would I ever want to say something that offends um, or, or do something that divides. My goal is to unite and, and to employ us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to. And so please, if you hear me say something that's offensive, there was no intent to do that, Okay. All right? Um, so I want to turn uh, to the book of Joshua. There was, there was a passage that just stood out to me so strongly this, this week as I was just, you know, before the Lord and, and thinking about this whole process and this week. And um, in fact, I was going to title my message, Which Side Are You On? Because in this passage in Joshua chapter 5, 
um, the Israelites under Joshua's leadership had just crossed the Jordan River. Uh, Moses had died on the other side. Now their feet are standing uh, on the promised land, the long promised land. And, And they're standing in this promised land, and they're getting ready to go take their first major city in the promised land, and it's called Jericho. And as they're there, Joshua's preparing for this battle and preparing to go, and he's getting orders about marching around the the city, which is totally reinforced. We read this passage, and it says this. When Joshua, this is verse uh, 13, uh, Joshua 5, I said. I'm just kidding. Joshua 5. Joshua 5, uh, verse 14, uh, 13, 13, 13. And it says this, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you a friend or foe? Or you might interpret it, Are you for us or against us? Or which side are you on? And the answer was this. This is interesting. Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I'm not on either side. This is, this is an angel of the Lord. This is, this is a powerful being standing before Joshua. And you would think the answer would be, of course I'm on your side. You would expect it. I'm sure Joshua expected that. I, you know, I, I'm on your side. I'm on the side of Israel. And he said, no, I'm not on either side. I, I, I am here representing God. I am here as the uh, commander of the army of the Lord. And, and so what I took from this, this is a very astute political response by this angel. He's on God's side. He's a, he's, this is, so I, I would go as far as to say, you know what? I, I don't think God would say he's for Hillary or for Donald for the Republicans or the Democrats. He is for his kingdom. He is for his kingdom, his will to be accomplished in this earth. And, and uh, the reality is this. By, by this re- uh, statement, we can surmise that he hadn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And that's what the kingdom of God is about, to take over, right? And, and so um, I, I love this passage and, and uh, the reality is this. We can't pretend to know who's God, who God's person is. I don't know what Tuesday holds. You know, what if God's plans are different than ours? What if God has this plan to radically touch whoever's elected to the presidency, to change their lives and alter the course of American history, but it wouldn't normally be the person that we would select? Are you okay with that? I mean, are you okay if God's will is executed and not yours? I mean, we've just, we, we've got to trust God. We've got to come to the place of trusting God. Um, and so we, we really can't pretend to know what's going to happen or know the mind of the Lord in this specific uh, situation. But we, you know what we need to do? We need to be praying and asking for God's will to be done, right? Because I believe his will and his ways are way better than ours, right? His will and his ways are better than ours. But, uh, so the question, this, this verse ends with a question. Are you friend or foe? And it goes on to state that, uh, you know what? He's not on neither side. 
And then the answer to the question is this, which is another interesting, or the conclusion of the statement from the angel of the Lord, the commander of the armies of the Lord, is this. Take off your feet, for you're standing on holy ground. Now, I find that so interesting. And there's a tie to Josh, from Joshua to Moses. Moses had that same statement made to him. Do you recall? When he's at the burning bush, take off your feet, sandals. Did I say take off your feet? Take off your sandals. <laughs> Ted, I'm with you, man. Take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. And what I believe that's saying is this. You know how I interpret it when I was reading it? And this is just my interpretation. I believe that we are in a holy moment, an opportune time, a holy place. I believe that we are in a season uh, that is the hour of the church, where the sleeping giant, the church, is, is going to arise. I believe that this moment in time when we say, you know what? And, and, you know, again, the tensions, the frustrations, the, the media, all that stuff, you know, you can get consumed by it. Now, honestly, I, I have been staying away from that stuff. I've been just sort of on this fast. I've been sort of just getting away from that because it can really uh, uh, breed, it can breed anxiety, fear, and f- angst, frustration w- against people, you know? These are the very people that God wants to, God wants to uh, infuse and reach with his love. And here we are angry, frustrated, you know, uh, not speaking blessings over people, if you know what I mean. And, and so I've sort of stepped back and I've been asking God, give me the bigger picture. Help me to see the bigger picture of what you're doing here. Because you could get embedded in all these details and get caught up and she's doing this and he's doing that and this was said about him and this was said about her and, you know, all this garbage. The reality is God has a plan. God has a plan and we want to plug in to that plan. So, so Joshua is standing before this, this being, this heavenly being that has his, his, his sword drawn and Joshua approaches him. And demands, what are you doing here? Are you for us or against us? And this being says, you know what? I'm not for either of you. But I want you to know where you're standing is holy. The place that you're in, the moment in time that you're in is holy. And I I believe you can look back years from now and know that this is a moment in time where things shifted. I believe that this is a moment in time where God's will Uh, is going to be executed, and the church is going to look to God more so than politics ever before. I believe that. So I want to just look through the Bible really quick. There's a few things the Bible says in relationship to government. Now, whether your candidate gets in or not, this is what the Bible tells us how we relate to government, okay? You know, if you're frustrated because your candidate didn't get in, you need to reference these, these verses, if you're happy because your candidate gets in, you need to reference these verses. So here's, uh, there's four quick points about what the Bible says about government that I want to share. Um, the first one is this. Every government is put in place by God. We see in Romans 13, verse 1, it says this. And I'll just show the first half of the verse. It says, the authorities that exist have been established by God. So if you've got a problem with government, take it to God. Right? Take it to God. Go before God. God, what is going on here? I, I don't get what's going on with this government. 
Because God is, is overseeing how, who he's positioning people, he's raising people up, he's putting people down. God is involved in this whole process. And so we must understand that God must have a plan. God must have a plan, and we need to look to that plan. The second one is this. We should honor and submit to those who govern us. In 1 Peter, we see this passage here. 1 Peter 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. I love that. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. It's not for your own sake, right? It's a, it's a way that we honor God. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So not only is this government thing established by God, but we are to submit to it. Every authority. You know, you know the police officers, mayors, uh, city representatives, um, government, local, national, we, we should be submitted to it, you know? We should, we should honor and respect people who are positioned in authority over us. We may not agree with them. Do you get this? We should honor and respect those who are in authority over us. The, the verse goes on to say, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are set by him, by who? By God, to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Listen, we should honor and submit to those who govern us. The third point I want to make is this. God can use sinful government to do his will. You can see throughout the Bible that he does. In fact, Proverbs says this. I don't have this on the screen, but Proverbs says something like this. You know what? The hearts of kings are like water in the hands of the Lord. And he could turn their hearts any way he wants, like channels of water. He, could, he can guide and direct the hearts of kings. See, God is, God is a lot bigger than we give him credit for. You know, and sometimes our, our, we, we look at, at government and get frustrated when, when really I think we're missing the big picture. God is on the move. God is in control. God is doing something. God has a plan. And we need to begin to trust him, place our trust in him. And so in Acts 4, verses 27 and 28, we see this passage related to uh, God using sinful governments. It says this. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, this is Peter in one of his messages, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Do you remember them? So they were gathered together against Jesus, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Now look at this last statement. To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Do you see God in that? See, God sets people up. Pharaoh. Pharaoh was set up by God. Right? You could look at uh, Esther's husband, Antaxerxes. He was set up by God. Right? Nehemiah, the king that Nehemiah served under. Set up by God. And we, we, we need to understand that even if there's sinful government officials and leaders over our nation and over us, God can use them. Let me just tell you straight up. Both of these candidates have some issues. <laughs> Amen? All right. Here's the last point I want to make about what the Bible says about government. Here, here's the last point. Uh, Christians should pray for those who govern us. Now, in 1 Timothy 
chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. That's four different words used to say, listen, you need to come before God on behalf of some people. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. See, God... Why? Why should we be praying? Because you can lead through that a peaceful and quiet life. Now, who doesn't like peace? Right? You know, we, we can influence our government through prayer. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Look at this. Who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Do you know that God wants whoever, whatever presidential candidate... Uh, begins to move into the White House January 21st or whatever, he wants that person saved. He wants his cabinet, his advisors. Uh, uh, when I'm saying his, I'm saying that president's uh, cabinet and advisors and supporting staff. He wants to work in government. How does he do that? What prepares the way? It's our prayers, our supplications, our intercessions, and our thanks. Giving. Listen to me. We as a nation want good government. And the reality is we have good government because you, you don't know what bad government is. You know, we went, my wife and I went on a mission trip years ago to Jamaica. And uh, we were there, while we were there, all kinds of things happened. There was a hurricane, Hurricane Andrew came through. But one of the other things that was very interesting to me in Spanish town was there was, there was a parade for the number one gangster that got killed in that city. There was a parade, I mean massive. You couldn't get through that city. And, and this gangster was so influential that the government, I mean, his, his, his influence entangled the government, the police, up and down. You know, his influence went every which way to the point where the city threw a parade when a gangster was killed. I mean... We, we have good government here. You may not like every aspect of it, but you know what? God has blessed this nation. Um, another, another, I heard this story. Uh, Korea was once one country. Um, before it became North and South Korea, it was one country. And after World War II, that country split, and it was divided by a six-inch wall. And the North, North Korea, was influenced by Russia, which was a communist nation, and South Korea was influenced by uh, Western countries, including America. And if you look now, 50 or so years later, those two nations, now they're two nations, North and South Korea, are vastly different. Originally, they started off as one people, one ethnic group, one language, right? They live in the same region. Uh, you know, there's so much similarities. But then after years of influence... North Korea, one, people, one, one nation can barely feed its people. You know, people are dying. There's communism. It's, it's corrupt. It's bad. And then South Korea, South Korea is flourishing. You know, there's, we've had many students come over from South Korea and stay with us and, and be influenced by us. But that's largely, there's a Christian nation there. It's vastly different. And the difference is good government. The difference is good government. Difference, uh, these, these differences were empowered by, 
by government. And so we, we are blessed where we're at. And, and I want you to just not lose sight of that last few words that I read in that passage. In the sight of God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Let me tell you something. God wants his church to be influencers of the government that they're under. God wants his church to be influencers of the government that they're under. That's why he's saying you need to pray. You need to give thanks. You need to to lift people up. You need to come under authority. You know, we need to obey those in authority over us. We we don't want to be disruptive. He said peaceful and quiet lives. That doesn't mean you can't, uh, you know, have have different types of, of stances on issues. And I would, I would encourage, that that's, that's one of the freedoms of speech in our nation. But the reality is our hope in salvation is in not in one candidate. It's not in any candidate. It is in the God uh, of this nation. It's in, it's in Jesus Christ. It is the kingdom of God that we want to flourish. That is so important to us. So um, listen to me. Politicians don't have the power to save our country. But the church does. Listen, this is a wake-up call for the church. I guarantee it. I I feel it within my bones. This is a wake-up call for the church. Not this message, but this moment. This moment we are in is going to, I believe, is going to change the future of our nation. So how? How, you know, if it's God's will that he wants all people to be saved and all to come to the knowledge of the truth, how will that happen? How will that happen? Well, I have some thoughts about that, as you can imagine. Um, and and it, these, thoughts are, these thoughts are posed in the form of questions. And I'll share these quickly with you. First question that, that I, I'm going to share with you is this. What if, what if I put my trust in Christ more and the government less? What if, what if each of us in this room put our trust in Christ more and the government less. I mean, the reality is, it, like, it, you get involved in the social media, you get involved in the news, depending on which channel you watch. I mean, there's mayhem. The world is ending, you know? Uh, everything is over for us. And the reality is, what are we putting our trust in? What are we getting caught up in? Have we really taken our, taken our eyes that much off of Jesus that... Everything is over because of one politician taking office. I think we're missing the moment if that is the thing that consumes us. So what, if, what, if, what would happen if, if we kept our eyes on Jesus? You remember Peter? He, he's invited by Jesus to step out of the boat. And I mean, this guy is walking on water. So I have nothing negative to say in this regard. I haven't walked on water but this guy, you know, he was beginning to be consumed by the things that were going on around him. The wind and the waves, the storm. Things were, were striking fear in him, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and that's when he began to sink. What if, what if, what if we fixed our eyes more on Jesus than this political moment in time? What if the church was saying, you know what, I, you know, it... it I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because it does matter. But the reality is, whoever is in the White House in January, my eyes are still fixed on Jesus. 
It's not going to change who I worship. It's not going to change who, how I live. It's not going to change what I'm called to do. I am going to trust God. And he has a plan. Right? What, what, if, what if as a church and individuals, we, we took that stance? Let me tell you something. Jesus spent zero time trying to get politicians and leaders in his day to change their positions. To change their policies. Zero. And he stood before them. He talked to Pilate. He was taken before Herod. You know? He spent zero time in the political arena. Paul, he stood before people like Agrippa and Festus, these these Roman leaders in his day. He never said anything about policy. He was trying to share Jesus Christ with them. You know, here's this guy imprisoned, uh, you know, and he, he's not dealing with policies like, I just hope that you become as I am, except uh, you don't have to deal with these chains like I do. You remember that? So, so Paul's position, Jesus' position was, you know, uh, uh, it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. And I think when we take our eyes off of the one thing that we should be watching and, and pursuing and trusting, that is, is Jesus Christ, we get consumed by all these other things, and, and we look very uh, divided, very, uh, very uh, lacking much focus, and, and not really pursuing the things of God. And so in Second Chronicles 7.14, we read this passage here, because I see this as, this as a mandate for us in this time. It says, if my people who are called by my name will try and change policy in the government that they live under. No, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You want to change your nation? Here's the recipe. Here's the recipe. Seek his face. Humble yourself. Turn from your wicked ways. You know? We're waving our our fists at people and we're frustrated with people and angry at people. He's lying, she's lying, this, that, the other. Man, let's go before God. Let's go before God. God's promise is that he will heal our land. I believe the church is the sleeping giant. And if it awakens, watch out because the kingdom of God will come with power. And we've we've been sort of lulled to sleep putting our trust in other things. What if we put our trust in Jesus over politics? More in Jesus, less in the government. Here's the second question that I have. What if I chose to put people ahead of politics? This is different, even though it sounds a little bit similar to what I said last time. Let me tell you something. Jesus was for people, and Jesus got frustrated with people who, who would put religious rules uh, on other people that hurt them. You remember that? You know, Jesus was, the, the Pharisees, the leaders of the day, they, they would uh, sort of put this yoke on the people that would be impossible for them. It's like a chain. Like it would be impossible for them to accomplish what the religious leaders were expecting of them. That's called religion. We don't need more religion, right? We need more Jesus, and there's this, there's this passage where, where Jesus is questioned about who our neighbor is, you know. 
And uh, we're going to actually talk about this more in a coming series starting next week, Lord willing. Um, But Jesus said, listen to me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest of commandments. The second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me, when politics get in the way, it's very hard for us to love people. In fact, we, we are divided from people. And if you're on Facebook, the people that you've connected with, your old school friends, neighbors, people you met at work, um, you know, all these people. You go on Facebook, man, there's such hate on that, on that social media. The people that we're supposed to be influencing, we're like putting a wall up against because of the positions that we're taking and the, the hate that we're spewing and the things that are being said. And, and let me just tell you something. You lose your influence when you get all political in arenas like that. I'm not saying it's not, it's, it, you can't have a conversation, but a conversation is different than, than uh, being so strong in, on one side and everyone else is wrong because you're right. And, you know, a year from now, six months from now, when that person that you're connected with, whether it be on Facebook or even the people you, you know, stand alongside at work or friends with or go to school with, you know, um, in six months or a year when they're hurting, the wall's already been built. We lost our influence. We lose our influence when we're not wise with how we deal with information or position. And the greatest influence we have is that I know this person. His name is Jesus Christ. He changed my life. He's given me hope when I had no hope. He healed me when I was broken. He, he, he's the savior of the world. He can take your sins away. And when we lose the ability to communicate that to people because of other things, we lose. The kingdom loses. And so what if, what if we, we chose, I chose, you chose to put people above politics? And this is not just a Facebook thing. This is not a Facebook thing. But what, imagine if every person decided to love their neighbor. If they have a Donald Trump sign in front of their house or a Hillary Clinton sign in front of their house. You love them no matter what. What if, what if we decided to, to take... Our, our view of, of Christianity above the mess. Rise above the mess. We, you know what? We do what we know we're supposed to do. We give. We care. We love. We share. You know? What if, what if we rose above that garbage? And it may not end Tuesday. You know? It may be difficult after Tuesday. And it's time for the church to rise and shine. We are the light of the world. Jesus didn't say you can be. He said you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And love has to ooze from us every which way. Good day, bad day, tired, sick, in pain. It doesn't. Love needs to ooze from us. The world needs hope. And we can't be dividers in this season. We can't create divisions in this season. Here's the last question. That I asked, I want to ask, what if I was more passionate about God's mission 
than ever before? What if we became more passionate about God's mission? More passionate about God's mission than politics, right? About our political party, about our person. What if we became that passionate? The time we invest in that stuff was invested in the kingdom. We may be living in bleak times nationally. I I don't know. I I don't know how things are going to turn out. But listen to me. This is a great season for the church to be the church. This is a great season for the church to rise up. And you know what? Some of the best moments the church has ever experienced happen in the midst of a crisis. That's true. Historically, that's true. The, The government can never do the work of the church. So getting frustrated with the government is not the right solution. The church rises up, does what it's called to do, gets passionate about its mission, accomplishes accomplishes its mission. God begins to heal our land, you know, bring hope, restore hope. That's what I'm going after. And our culture deeply needs this. Our culture deeply needs the church to be the church. Amen? Amen? I want to finish with a few thoughts, but here's the last verse I'll share with you uh, regarding that question. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. This is Paul writing about us being ambassadors and us, uh, us having a mission. He says, for Christ's love compels us. See, Paul, he had a mission. He was compelled. His love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Us who live should no longer live for ourselves. It should be the mission that God has put us on. Amen? And so today, as I close, Tuesday's coming. I want to encourage you to get out and vote. I want to encourage you to, to use the freedom and the influence that you have been given in this nation. It's a tremendous freedom. And we want, we want good government. We want our nation to be a good nation. We, we, I mean, we're, we're able to go to church. We're able to carry Bibles. We're able to evangelize. We're able to experience a tremendous freedoms in this nation. And we're called to pray. Pray for our leaders. Be submissive to them. But let me ask you this question. Honestly, don't answer it out loud, please. This is, uh, uh, let me think about this question. Has your trust been put more in government of late than in Jesus? Has your trust been put in the, the kingdom of this world more than the kingdom of God? You know? And has your life been dictated by that trust that you've invested? You know, we see, and here's, here's some ways to think through it that can sort of help you answer that question or help, uh, help you think through that question? Are your thoughts hostile thoughts? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? You know, is there, uh, when you think about those who disagree with you, what goes on in your heart? Has anxiety arisen in your heart? Are you, are you anxious about what is to come? Or perhaps fearful about what is to come? Well, the answer is, listen, we need to refocus. Take a step back away from some some things and refocus on the big picture. A hundred years from now, let me tell you something. I doubt that either of these two people will go down in history as the greatest presidents. I don't know. 
But 100 years from now, if you do the right thing now, the choices you make now will impact eternity. How you deal with where you put your trust, how you deal with, with who you put your trust in. And uh, listen to me. Maybe you should com- consider a media fast for the next couple of days. And instead of vesting, investing time in news and internet and stuff like that related to the politics, man, listen, they know how to push your hot buttons, right? They know how to fire you up because they're just, depending on what you watch, you know, either they're, they're uh, you know, they're, let me just back up. Do you know the media is not fully true? You know, what they put out is not always true. Do you know what you see on things like Facebook? It's almost never true. <laughs> Don't get fired up over that stuff. Step back. Refocus on the things of God and watch what God does. Listen to this verse right here. It's powerful. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I mean, he's offering us an exchange. You can cast your, your fears, your anxiety, your frustrations on me. And he, and I'll give you peace, perfect peace. I mean, that is an amazing exchange. So maybe you've invested in the wrong area that investment's not panning, well out, panning out well for you. I would, I would encourage you to move that investment to the other side. I would encourage you to put your trust in the one who can bring peace to your life, hope to your heart, and really has the future in his hands. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? You have no idea. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Let's pray together. But seriously, if you're here today and you've been experiencing that, you know, maybe you need some help just, just uh, you know, through prayer. And uh, we're going to have some people up here that would love to pray for you. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I would encourage you to just uh, come visit one of our prayer team, um, and they'll have a conversation with you, and they'll share with you the hope that I've been talking about. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we lift our nation before you. God, and our hope is truly in you. And we know there are ramifications, implications. There, there's a big deal going on as it relates to the future of our nation. We just lift our nation before you, God. We say we are yours, God. We trust you. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to love people and be on mission. Lord, help us, Lord God, to, to see people as objects of your affection. Lord, instead of objects of people from the other side who are frustrated with, Lord. We love you, God. We give you all the praise, God. And, and Father, Lord, this week we pray for perfect peace over our nation, God. We come against rioting. We come against uh, uh, violence. We come against hatred, God. God, we, we just say peace over our nation, God. We give you praise right now. We love you. We honor you, God. We say that you're good. Lord, bless your people today, God. As they go, may they know your perfect peace. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.